0: If you want free electrolyte supplementation, listen up, especially if you are active or follow a Whole Foods diet, because you lose electrolytes when you sweat, when you work out, and when you go to the bathroom, and these electrolytes have to be replaced through diet and supplementation. If you're following a Whole Foods diet, which is naturally low in sodium, you can actually be chronically deficient in electrolytes. This can show up as dizziness, muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue, sleep disturbances, And those stars when you stand up, especially on workout days, which was my personal experience. Element, my favorite electrolyte supplementation makes grab-and-go electrolyte replacement packets. There is no sugar in them, no gluten or fillers, no artificial ingredients, and it's paleo-friendly. There are a ton of flavors, and they are super tasty. (laughs) I've been using Element on workout days, and it has made such a difference. I no longer feel so thirsty and empty throughout the day, and I don't have that dizziness I used to when going from sitting to standing post-workout. To grab a free sample packet of all the element flavors, go to drinklmnt.com forward slash well fed. All you have to do is pay for shipping on that. Again, it's drinklmnt.com forward slash well fed. Click on get yours, then grab yourself eight packets. You get to try all the flavors and you have free electrolyte replacement on hand. If you find a flavor you love, use that link to buy three boxes and get one free. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at Women. Welcome and hello again. I'm Noelle Tarr, host of the well Fun Women podcast, and I am so happy that you are here. This is episode number 374. My website is coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer, and I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie Ruper, founder of paleoforwomen.com, author of Sexy by Nature and All Around Amazing Human. And we are the co-authors of a book, Called Coconuts and Kettlebells. Go get it on Amazon. Today, we're going to be talking about the influence of stress on recovery. Feeling not good enough. What do you do when you feel not worthy? Working out while sore. And red light therapy for chronic pain. It's a well-rounded discussion. Hi, Steph. Hi. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Regular listeners of the podcast will not be surprised to hear that I am eating frozen salmon salad from Whole Foods right now.
0: I I still don't (laughs) understand the frozen part. Why is it frozen? Did you put it in the freezer?
1: Yeah, I put it in the freezer. Yeah. because Okay. Okay. So, okay. (laughs) Okay. So freezers keep, freezers keep things fresh. Okay. A. So if I have like, cause I don't, you know, how often do you go to, the st- I don't, you know, I buy a lot of prepared foods because I don't cook just hysterical. Cause I was like, I need to live somewhere with a kitchen. <laughs> Use my <laughs> stove like three times <laughs> to like make egg yolks. Like that's it. Okay. So anyway, um, and also I was going through this, um, histamine thing where my histamine levels were really high and um, histamine levels build up in food when they age over time. And so leaving leftovers was always problematic for me. So I put a lot of food in the freezer instead of just leaving it in the fridge to keep the histamine levels low. So I have like frozen food.
0: Yeah. I just I'm so surprised by the frozen salmon thing because frozen fish is disgusting. <laughs> so it's just it's like you told me. Well, to it's eat not it.
1: raw. Like well, it's.
0: I- Frozen cooked fi- okay, fish. Wait, fish doesn't. I eat
1: frozen. I'll eat frozen anything. Like I know anything. Coleslaw. I had frozen coleslaw last night.
0: Oh gosh. <laughs> do you st- do you still eat frozen
1: fruit very often? I don't eat sweets anymore. Oh okay. Fruit is a sweet. I just I don't. I mean I loved I loved them, but I prefer the way my appetite feels when I'm not eating sweet foods. So there you go. It's, Even it's- fruit. Even fruit. I mean, like I can have fruit and enjoy it. Like it's not a problem, but I don't seek it out. Mm -hmm. I'll just say, you know.
0: Got it. Used to do frozen apples. That was really funny. Frozen pineapple. My kids love frozen banana.
1: Yes. Oh, all the frozen fruits are so good. Yeah.
0: They call it banana popsicle. That's what we do. (laughs) Is like a snack. I just put like, because bananas go bad very quickly. So I'll put them in the freezer before they go bad and then slice them up and they eat them with a fork and they love it. It's really great during the summer. OK, anyway, I digress. Talk to me. Let's hear some updates. So you promised us last episode that we would understand a little bit more about your travels and you moving now away from Boston, which I thought you loved the dancing scene and all of that stuff. So maybe a, a few more updates. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'll have to credit Diane said I want to hear. I want Steph to spill the deets. Where is she living, working? What are these changes she's alluding to on her Insta stories? <laughs>
1: Can I just say it's so flattering that like every other week or so the pod, the podcast question is like, what is Steph and her, like, what is, (laughs) what is she up to in her mysterious, like mysterious change of footing life? Um, (laughs) footloose and fancy free. Um, so I'll be a little bit vague on some details, but I also like have some things that have happened to me for me with me for the last several months that I can share. So I'll share some of those. Um, So I do love Boston and I have made some really beautiful friends and really enjoyed getting to know the communities that I knew here before in a new way with a me that had five years of personal growth under my belt. And those five years taught me to uh be more open and to see people more as who they are as opposed to through a lens of who i like expected people to be and i've just learned how to like appreciate more like people as they are and see opportunities to learn and love like everywhere and so i just yeah i'm friendlier i i i like people more and i think people like me more it's funny how that works um And it's just it's been really wonderful to see the contrast in terms of how I lived here in the last year, Um, uh, lived in Boston in the last year and lived um, in Boston previously. So it's been great and I love it. And I think Boston will probably always be one of my home bases. My other home base is Michigan and my third home base is England. Um, And I came to Boston and tried like tried on a lifestyle that I think uh, ended up not being the right fit for me, um, especially at this point in time. And I actually, I carried, you know, like a fair amount of, um, I would say like sadness and anxiety for a while when I like was trying to figure this out, you know, trying to figure out. I think when we feel those things, it's really important to listen to them. I think a lot of people I know, like put their heads down and are like, well, things are the way they are and they're fine, you know, but this is kind of, um, I think it's really important to listen and then to look at our lives and say like, what, what can't, what needs to be and or can be changed to make this like more conducive to my flourishing. I, I just, it feels so weird to me that I need to like make the argument for like making changes in life. But I I think that, I think that it's an argument that merits making because so often it just, it doesn't happen for so many reasons. Um, so some things like happened that forced my hand in terms of like how quickly I was going to like leave Boston, you know, it kind of, um, it just, it kind of, it happened. (laughs) Uh, it happened that I had to leave Boston. And so, um, I did. And now I'm sitting with the question of like, what now and what can I be doing and what potentially next? Um, it is currently May 3rd uh, and I actually don't, what this podcast is coming out. I don't know where in the world I will be on May 3rd. I will have been with my family, um, taking care of things. (laughs) things. <laughs> I will have been with my family, um, for some time. Uh, and then it looks like I'm probably going to spend uh, some time in London and I'm going to be, uh, doing a lot of reflecting and discerning and talking with people about like potential next steps. So, oh, so yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to leave it there for now. in this evolving mysterious change of footing story. <laughs> right. Um, But I feel, I feel really, really good about having come to Boston, reconnected in a new way, learned a lot about myself and the kind of human I am and life that is conducive to my flourishing, you know, like sometimes these periods can be like uncomfortable, you know, when we're learning about ourselves, but that's the whole point, you know? And so I'm, I'm so glad about all of it. Um, And now, uh, yeah, now the future is open and I have to just, you know, figure out what's next. So
0: now that that you've had kind of both experiences of being back in the States and you've lived a long life in in the UK, do you feel like you relate more to living in London versus living in the States? Is that why you're kind of going back just to kind of see and feel it out again?
1: Yeah, I there are things Having, I mean, the circumstances under which I left the UK, the state the world was in, the state my life was in, um, <laughs> the, it, legal, like the state of my visa, right? Like I right. left the UK and um, I had to leave and uh, and it was good because it gave me a lot of perspective. And I thought that maybe like it was a chapter to close, but I'm thinking a lot about like the way I feel when I'm living there and I like it. So I want to but it's been, you know, again the circumstances were so uh, unusual when I left and so I want to go back and like and see, you know, have some conversations, do some poking around um and see if that's where I might want to actually be for like more significant time. It's possible. It's possible, but, but I don't, but I don't know. Um, and in terms of what I'll be doing professionally, that also is, um, unclear. So, uh, yeah, we uh, it's, it's open and changes of footing. Well, Thank you
0: for the update. I can, mm-hmm. I can definitely relate. We've obviously where uh, I'm a military spouse. My husband is activated now. We went, um, it's a long story, but we we went into the reserves. We I mean, he went into the reserves after I think it was like 11 years and then did the reserves things. And now he's activated again. So he's kind of seen as active duty and he works um, where we are now. But during that reserves, well, we moved around a lot. But during that. Get out of the military, find a new job stage. I mean, the whole thing has just been really really challenging we're still kind of going through it now trying to figure out because we have no long-term um solid job. like it's always kind of changing especially when you're activated because you only have orders for like a very short period of time and so we've kind of been all over the place and it really does like when you are not fulfilled or unhappy or not in a place that suits you or your dynamic or your values or your and I'm not saying anything about you stuff like that Boston wasn't that but we have been in that position so like quite a few times I would say in the last decade and it's painful when you are in a place that feels foreign to you or is not fulfilling you and Many times we have hightailed it out of situations that was like, this is not good. And you can like put your head down and, and try to make it work only for so long. But I do feel like if you are feeling like this is not right, this is not conducive to for us, it's always like, is this good for our family? Is this good for our like our weekend life? Are we able to attend a church we love regularly and get involved? Are we do we feel at home in this community? And luckily, we felt that here now, but it took so many years to get to that. I don't regret any of the very difficult decisions or difficult moves to get where we are now. And I know I think a lot of people feel like they're kind of stuck where they're at, but you're not. You can absolutely get up, move, change your scenario. I can't tell you how many times My husband has changed his job and changed what we've been focusing on in order to find a fit that is right for us. And you kind of just have to trust God and keep praying and try to hope that something, you know, the door will be opened and it, and there, you know, there's always been doors that have opened, but you have to kind of put yourself in an uncomfortable position and close that door and move on in order for other doors to open. So I'm happy for you. And I know that this is going to lead to something.
1: Yo, thank you. Can we, I just want to take a moment for doors. So I'm obsessed. Doors are like a thing I'm obsessed with. I have a big, like artwork of doors I'm staring at right now. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just, it's a really beautiful symbol because they're there, but you got to open them and you got to step through. And that's, I don't know, for me, like, that's what we're here to do. And, uh, you can do it. Like, you know, I think that's another thing that we sort of, we lose, we've, we've sort of lost our, like, there's so much lost self-confidence. I think like there's so much, um, yeah, like you are absolutely hundred percent capable and just like, just know it and do it, you know? And um, yeah, whether that's on your own merits or, you know, I, I would, I would imagine Noelle would attribute that to like, god right like whoever strength it is that you got like helping you go forward like you got it you know so mm-hmm. anyway step through the doors yeah yeah it's a lot I, I i think
0: you're right like there has been this i don't know epidemic of just like lack Despair? of self confidence well, like just, like, just like, yeah not not Feeling trapped, not feeling like you can make Mm. the decisions that you want to make because you are trapped by X, Y, and Z thing. And it largely has to do with what we value and what our society values. Is it materialism? Is it, you know, being having this house and living this way and having this job? And so, even like the American dream, I'm going to get on a tangent here, but the American dream, what is that? That's, you know, Living in a big house, having a, which by the way, have a big mortgage. It's having a yard, which by the way, ton of work. It's, you know, a lot of times it's t- in in order to afford that, to have the kids, to have the schooling that you want, to go to the preschools, to have your kids in, in cute clothes and all this stuff. Like we're, ch- you know, the cars, we're chasing after this American dream, which is a lot centered on materialism and whatever appearances um thinness leadness health you know all that kind of stuff attractiveness and a lot of people just kind of put their so that's that's where they put all of their time and effort does that bring you joy though does does that bring you happiness are you spending you know, a lot of times it takes two dual income families working 40 hours a week not really seeing each other they they pledge their life to each other but then they don't see each other that not really spending a lot of time with their kids because they're trying to like what what live the american dream so i think we also have to really as women but as a society define be confident in defining what it is that you that makes you happy and hold on to that and what brings you joy and what you value because when we look at our values and where I mean, this is so true even of, of diet and nutrition and fitness and all that stuff. What do you value? And when we can really look at that and say, okay, I value my health. I value my mental health. I value my sleep. I value time with my kids. I, I value service. I value getting involved with my community. Then you can make change, you know, life decisions about what am I going to do? What, what am I going to do for work? What am I going to do for my workout? How am I going to spend my time today? Then you can make better decisions that will more like appropriately bring you you know joy and and happiness and fulfillment and purpose and you're not going to be stuck circling the drain feeling like gosh i i'm just so far deep down this hole i can't change anything and you know i don't think anybody deserves to live that way so anyway that was a big tangent but
1: oh beautifully said would you
0: like to get to some questions Yeah. Question number one is from Elizabeth. She said, I would be interested in the influences of stress on recovery, specifically when recovering from things like gut issues, mental trauma, burnout or hypothalamic amenorrhea, where reducing stress is essential. I don't have all those things. Just giving examples. I feel like I'm stressing about doing all the things that it's adding even more stress. Thank you.
1: I have a lot of I have a lot of thoughts. Um oh, I think that this is oh good Give a them. surprise. Give them to surprise, me. Surprise. Surprise. I just love um, hearing you talk. <laughs> no well, same. Um good thing considering we've been know, doing right? this for like seven years, six years. We
0: couldn't have faked it this long. So <laughs> <laughs> um
1: so the first thing I want to say is you can't just don't, you can't worry about it. I'm gonna use an analogy. I know that sleep is important. I never, ever, ever, ever think about how important sleep is because the more I think about how important sleep is, the harder it is for me to sleep. Hmm. And um, the same thing I think applies to this, right? Because the more I think about how important it is to reduce stress, the more stressed out I am about reducing stress. And that's just it. And we need to understand that like our well-being is extremely Interconnected and holistic, and it ebbs and flows in many various ways throughout our lives. So, when I'm going through things, I'm just like, All right, like this is a time I'm going through a thing, and that's okay. And my body's going to be okay. I think when we start dialing into our bodies, it can become very easy to like focus to like really hyper focus on the biomarkers and, and the particular, you know, nuances of how everything is affecting you. And like, sometimes it's really, really important and I do it a lot. And it's really helped me a lot, you know, trying to figure out things that I've gone through my headaches, the different health conditions, that sort of stuff. Um, but when it comes to stress, like you just got to let it go. You're going to like, I mean, I I, do what you can, like use what's happening as a signal to like address things in your life and your mindset. But otherwise just like, yeah, I don't, I don't ever, I personally don't dive into these details intentionally because my life is going to keep going whether or not I do. And I think the healthiest thing for me is just honestly to like, take care of myself the best I can. And think that I'm okay and manifest being okay. Like I'm gonna go ahead and use that word because I think it's true. Like there are ways in which we manifest our own realities constantly. And a part of that is like believing you're okay. And that's kind of related to this phenomena that I think is very important. Um, and I'm not saying it because I want everybody to just like convince themselves that everything is fine all the time. I'm the hugest proponent of making changes when changes need to be made as evidenced by like my life. (laughs) I like changes a foot life, (laughs) but (laughs) my changes a foot life, but, um, stress lands different. Like your body's response to stress lands differently, depending on your emotional and mental valuation of what's happening for you. Okay. Case in point. Say hypothetically you have this job and the hours are crazy and it's stressful in a, like a bunch of ways. Right. And say you're sleeping four hours a night And in one circumstance, you like really don't want to be in the job or there's emotional layers of stress to it that like freak you out, make you anxious. And you have this like huge negative dark cloud hanging over your head about your job contrast that to your like just getting involved with an organization or you're founding your own organization and it's like super busy, but you're so stoked about it and you sleep four hours a night and you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh man, I only slept four hours and like, I'm a little bit groggy, but I am so hyped for this day and I'm going to like drink some green tea or coffee and do some yoga. And otherwise I'm just going to like work really, really hard, but I'm super excited. Like which of those two, t- you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so you can go through periods, but the way that you relate to what you're going through is huge. And the way that you carry your stress is huge. And I want to be clear, like when I'm going through things that can be changed, I change them. Like I- I'm not saying that you just need to like, change your, you know, whatever, like things, if they can not be changed, I'm a huge fan of changing them. But my point is, if you're going through something that's inevitable and you have a choice about how you're going to relate to it, I wouldn't start like worrying about all the ways it's impacting my gut health and my sleep and my bone metabolism or like whatever, because a really big piece of our health is just like, manifesting, you know, it's just like, in some ways making a choice to be like, well, this is a stressful period, but that's okay. Cause my body is robust and we're going to get through it. Mm -hmm. Like me and my body, like I might take certain supplements. I might work on trying to sleep more. I'm definitely going to make some changes to make my life as stress-free as possible. But at the end of the day, like we are resilient and like, we're here to be alive and to go through things and to come out the other side, like, you know, However, we come out of it and maybe we have some scars or maybe, you know, there's some like chips on our like paint job. I'm leaning into a paint metaphor for some reason, but um, bring it. You know what I mean? Like, and you're going to you're going to come out of it. And so my personal approach to this is like not stressing about stress and in some ways just like embracing what I'm going through as like an opportunity to experience like a part of what it means to be human Um, and again really big proponent of making changes I know I've said that a lot I I gotta emphasize that but at the same time like yeah I know I don't obsess over how stress affects me and I'm just constantly doing my best to like reduce my stress as much as possible.
0: I am so excited to share 20% off my favorite adaptogen blends with you. Research shows adaptogens can balance cortisol, combat fatigue, enhance focus, ease depression and anxiety, and support proper hormone function. The more I researched this, the more I realized the easiest and best way to enjoy adaptogens is with superfood blends that can be added to water. I found Organifi and now I love it. Organifi has an amazing little thing called red juice that is a red berry antioxidant blend that has cordyceps, rhodiola, and reishi. Cordyceps boosts energy, immunity, and stamina. I drink it during every podcast recording now. And when I'm stressed out and not sleeping well, I take green juice mid-morning. And guys, I finish every day now with either gold or gold chocolate. So this is a mixture of reishi and calming adaptogens and turmeric. It's, it's kind of like a hot chocolate or like a Turmeric warm drink at the end of the night, you just mix it with warm water, and it has helped me so much. It's way more effective than the sleepy tea I was drinking. So they're both the same drink, just different flavors, gold or gold chocolate. I love it. I've totally fallen in love with Organifi. All their superfood adaptogen blends are 100% certified organic, they have high quality ingredients, they are free of fillers, and they taste really good while also providing a clinical and effective dose of adaptogens you can support your body energy immunity and stress with Organifi Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than three dollars a day you can experience Organifi's high quality superfoods without breaking the bank go to Organifi dot com forward slash well fed our code well fed will get you 20% off which is a awesome discount organifi so that's o-r-g-a-n-i-f-i dot com forward slash well fed go to that link use our code well fed for 20% off it's stress is hard and it is it's funny because we always talk about stressing about stress and or stressing about sleep, I you know I stress about sleep too, so I can I can definitely relate to that. Stress in and of itself is what causes a lot of these issues. So I think we have to kind of redefine what we think stress is. A lot of people, when I actually pulled, I think I've mentioned this here before, when I pulled my audience of like, what do you think stress is? Is it physical or mental? Most people said it was mental. The majority of people said stress is mental, but stress actually is. Physical, it's what our body is experiencing, what what's how is our body taking on the influences, the things that it is exposed to, whether that's from our mindset and our mental health, whether that's from the food we're eating, i.e. that's going to impact your gut health, whether that's from the toxins that we are exposed to, we are exposed to environmental toxins all day, we're exposed to um, chemical you know synthetic ingredients from cleaning the supplies and skincare products, all that stuff. So you know that those are stressors. Our body then has to take on that load. Our liver then has to process that out. Is drinking alcohol? That's a stressor. Uh, it's mental trauma. It's it's all it's under eating. It's over exercising. So all of that stuff, in and of itself, is like stress is actually can cause all of those underlying issues, and so. I think when we, I, I kind of wanted to I mean I want to define stress more appropriately it's not just oh me thinking about how I need to need to work on these things stress in and of itself is causing all of these things hopefully that doesn't make you more stressed but I think that when we can kind of move past this idea that stress is mental we can we can kind of focus on okay here's my body here's a list of all the stressors that it's experiencing. How can I work on reducing that load? It doesn't have to be stressful to reduce that load. It can simply be, okay, I'm going to say no. And I'm going to, you know, scratch that out on my list. I'm going to say no to this thing. I'm not doing this thing anymore on the weekends. I'm not going to be, and like for a time being while you're healing, it's going to mean saying no to things that you actually kind of want to do, or you feel bad for saying no to. So I get it. But like, it's going to be little things like that saying no, it's going to be I gotta just shut my computer and go upstairs and get in bed at nine o'clock. It's going to be, I've got to eat a little bit more at breakfast, or I've got to start making, you know, eating more like an additional egg so that I have another egg yolk to eat or whatever. It's switching out your skincare products. It's going to the therapy so that I can work on this mental trauma. You can, if you change your mindset and what you know, how, what is stress and how is it actually impacting my body? And instead just think, how can I reduce stress? How can I actually remove those little things from my life? I think that, or, you know, how can I remove the load or or lessen the load? It will be a little bit less stressful mentally on you because all you need to do is do these tiny little shifts, these tiny little changes, and that can add up big, especially when we're talking about your gut health and your, your mental and emotional health and your, cortisol rhythms and your adrenals all that kind of stuff you know you can just start on one small change if you just feel overwhelmed by everything because one small change is going to impact all those other things so uh, improving your nutrition your nutri- eating more nutrient dense foods cooking more eating more food and eating a lower inflammatory diet less processed foods and all that even just focusing on that is going to downstream impact so many other things your liver how your liver processes cortisol cortisol rhythms, you know, all that stuff, your gut, especially. So make you can focus on one little shift or you can focus on making tiny little shifts in these areas that, you know, are or are, are the the things that are causing a large load of stress. Hopefully that was not too confusing, but I do understand. I think Steph really handled well, like feeling stressed about doing all the things is adding more stress. Yeah, like totally. You can you can. We've got to kind of move outside of that, change your mindset and also, you know, do all the things that Steph said, which is like, you've got to let go of thinking about we we're going to be under like stress is not necessarily or inherently bad. It's just the load of it. And we cannot keep mentally taxing ourselves and stressing about all the things and the ways in which stress impacts us. All we can do is really be mindful of making sure that we're like reducing the load overall over time. So, okay. Question number two is from Julie. She says, what do you ladies do or say to yourself when you're feeling like you're not enough? I'm always trying to take care of everything and everyone around me and don't make time for myself basically until I catch a cold or I'm forced to make time. I know I should do more activities that bring me joy, but it feels selfish no matter how much I tell myself it's not. Does this make sense? Does anyone else find themselves with this problem?
1: Yo, I am super excited to answer this question because I think about this constantly. Um, so thanks for writing about it, Julie. And I think it's something that so many people carry. Um I think I I want to start by foregrounding the really unique context in which we found ourselves. Like I think that this is probably this is perpetually a problem that is in humans always or can be. Um, But we've created a very interesting world or stumbled into accidentally creating a very interesting world where I think, so we've become hyper interconnected, right? And it's very easy to get in touch with people. And that's one thing that makes us feel like compelled to be available all of the time. And then also I think it's sort of maybe fed back Like it's, it's created like this underlying sense of like constant availability, like a hyper, like a more hyper drive of um, the need to overextend. And we've sort of eroded boundaries that were there naturally. And now we have to like intentionally erect them. Right. So it used to uh there's just there's a, such a big difference between like, well, somebody's gonna give somebody's landline a call and if they're there, cool. And if not, like maybe you'll hear back from them in a couple days. But who knows if they're gonna get the message, right? Like who knows if somebody's friend or husband or mom is gonna tell them and when they're gonna tell them and will they have translated it appropriately, like your intent and all this sort of stuff. Like and that was only a couple decades ago and then even further back, right? Like, um, And so there were a lot of like natural ways in which we were more like, I, I kind of want to say independent or just it was less expected that we would like fill our lives to the brim with responding to people and, in in their needs than it is today. And again, I want, I want to reiterate that, like this feeling of not enoughness and not doing enough, like it's not because of the internet, you know, but I do think, um, something that has become a part of the work we have to do today is setting boundaries. And that's a little new, or it's taken on a different shape. Right. Like, it's just new. Everybody I know, like, that's the big thing that I hear people talking about all the time. It wasn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't. And and maybe it's just because I was younger, but like, I wasn't hearing all this talk about like, oh, I need to learn how to give less of myself. I need to learn how to set boundaries. I need to learn how to be less available. Pretty much everybody I talk to is, is doing this work. I'm not going to say everybody, but like a lot of people I know are doing that kind of work. Um, and it's really hard because we love people and we want to be there for them. And I love people and I want to be there for them. And, um, you know, there's that there's that very obvious fact that people talk about a lot, which is like if you don't care for yourself, you can't care for others. And that's true. And um, sometimes I say that to myself and it's helpful, but I also Um, People will then also say also like you technically don't have to. I mean, it depends on um, I'm sorry about the sirens. um, It depends on, you know, like to what degree you think you're obliged to help others. You know, you are good. You are enough. And I like enough, but also like, I like more than that. You know, we're often telling ourselves like, you are enough. Well, yeah, true. But also like, you are great. (laughs) Like you are really, really great. And I really, I prefer like this abundantly positive framing of like, I'm not just enough. Like I'm abundant. I have, I contain multitudes. Okay. Like, um, you contain multitudes and, um, and that's a thing, but okay. Finally, I've just been rambling, but I want to say the one thing that I say to myself that I help myself with, um, that is the most effective because like, you know, even if I tell myself, like, you don't, you don't have to help people. You're not obliged. Like, I think I am (laughs) like, I, like, yeah, I am. And I want to, um, but I do have to take care of myself. Okay. I have two things to say. One is, um, I like to think of myself as a steward of my own being, like we are stewards of one another, but I am the primary steward of my own being and all beings are worthwhile and valuable. And I happen to be this particular one and I steward other people, but I am like the primary steward of myself and in the ultimate unfolding of the universe and what have you, um, I am in, I am in this, I am in this and I am am service driven and oriented and I want to help, but also like my goodness and experience of beauty and experience of truth is equally as, you know, relevant as other people's. And I am the steward of, of mine and the way that I cultivate mine matters. Okay. I'm going to say three things. That's one, two. I really think that part of my purpose And what we can do for one another is to orient towards like lightheartedness and joy and peace. And when we like do things for other people, that's like a service, like doing acts of service. That's a service and that's important. But what if we do them with peace and lightheartedness and joy Right. Like how much more of an impact can we have on others if we feel really good while we're helping them? And I recently talked about my experience, like I was talking about my experience of coming to Boston as like this new person and a part of what I carry with myself now is like joy. And gratitude I cultivate it in myself and the way that I exist in space is different. So I'm no longer like just doing service. I'm not, I'm no longer just doing acts for people, but the way that I'm showing up as a person while I'm doing them is transformed because I'm also cultivating joy in myself. And if we want to help other people be joyful, like honestly, we have to orient towards that ourselves. And so that's another piece of it for me. And third and finally, I think about the world that I'm trying to manifest. A part of that is joyfulness. But another part of that is like, I want a world in which we like help one another in ways that are healthy and people don't want like also like people probably don't necessarily want you to be doing things for them if it's hurting you you know, like that's a truth. And I would hold on to that and think about that. Like my friends don't want me to be doing things for them if it's hurtful for me. And if they do, like maybe, maybe I need to, you know, think about that relationship, but I want a world in which like, that's what we do is we take care of one another. And we really don't want other people to like, like, yeah, we can accept help. We want to accept help and we want to give help, but not in ways that are like, you know, that harm or flourishing, that harm or ability to like live and be happy and feel good. And so I want that reality to manifest, but in order for that reality to like become true, I have to model it. And this is analogous to the, to like body image stuff, right? Like I want to live in a world where women and people, like where people don't feel like bad about their bodies or aren't made to feel bad about their bodies. And so it's part of my task to like do that. Like that's that's a big, big part of the reason that I like try not to like control my body size aggressively and that sort of thing. Right. Cause that's the world that I want to live in. And so I have to, I have to act that way. And what kind of behavior do you want to model for the people in your lives? You know, I don't want, I don't want the people in my life to be making like undue sacrifices for me that are hurting them. And, and so the behavior that I have to model is like setting those boundaries or is, you know, negotiating that line between my flourishing and theirs and trying to, you know, find the meeting point. Um, I've been talking a lot, but yeah, I mean, I spent basically all my time thinking about this. So that's some stuff <laughs> that I'm like, uh, that these are like areas of personal growth for me right now, too. So anyway, I hope that that's, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm trying
0: to think about the difference between uh, how I felt, because I definitely felt this way more in my 20s versus now. And for me in particular, I am okay with not being enough. I am not enough. And I think when we can accept
1: Whoa. Whoa. Wow. That hit me. I got chills.
0: Go on. Yeah. I mean, like, if you, I have stopped trying to be enough to everybody. Like, I am definitely not enough to my husband. I'm not enough to my kids. Like, I am not enough. The only person that can be enough is Jesus, is God for me. So, When there's a huge freedom in being able to say, yeah, I'm not enough. And that's because I'm human. And it's just kind of like, you know, when you were talking about body image, it kind of hit me. It's like we we try to say, oh, like if you were to rephrase this question, oh, I just feel like my body is not perfect. Like, how how can I get this? What do I do? I just I just want to get my body to be perfect you can accept that you're not going to have a perfect body and move on. Like you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be enough. And so I feel like that brings me tremendous freedom in understanding that I cannot be everything to everybody. I feel like I probably tried to do that, especially when starting my business and starting this podcast and doing all the things and trying to, you know, get back to all the people. And I wanted to be You know, everything to everybody and meet everybody's needs and all the things. And even just trying to do everything right, trying to do all the things, right? Trying to do all the things in my business, trying to do all the things with family, you know, and it's too much. And so at some point you get to be able to, I think there's freedom in taking a step back and saying, you know what? I'm not enough and that's okay. And I can move on and be good enough, do, do my best. And that's cool. That's good. I also feel like I've had freedom in just like, I love everybody in this community, but probably like three, maybe, maybe after I became a mom. So probably after I had Maverick, I had this realization of like, people are going to have other opinions and people are going to have negative opinions of me. And that's okay. And I actually don't have to respond to that. I don't, I don't like, it's, it's okay. Like it's, you there are so and I, the Internet has done all this weird, like crazy stuff to us where we do feel like we have to be everything to everybody. We do feel like we have to respond somehow, you know, complete strangers on the Internet. Complete stranger. I've never yeah, met don't you before. not even at me.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah,
0: I, I've never <laughs> met you before. I have no idea who you are. Hi, I'm Noelle. Like, who are you? You know, complete strangers on the Internet are now you know, DMing you and and messaging you and reaching out to you and commenting and sending you emails and all these things. And so it's it's this really interesting world where all of a sudden we are so hyperconnected that we think that we people can think that they are owed some sort of response or owed a, a return uh, from their email. And if you don't return their email or you only respond in a short way, like no, you don't owe anybody anything. Even if it's a friend, like even if it's a friend. So you can of course, I think it's nice when when my friends text me or whatever, I try to text them back. If I don't, I'm sorry. Like again, I'm not enough. But if, you know, I try to do short little things of like, "Hey, sorry, I see this. Like, let's definitely catch up or whatever." But if you there it's perfectly okay to like not respond or not be there for everybody. You don't have to. Um and I think that once we can get like shift into that mindset. And again, what I was talking about before, understand your values and where you do, where do you want to spend your time? Do you want to spend your time spinning your wheels, trying to meet X, Y, and Z person's expectations, respond to their DMs, uh, respond to their emails, make sure that you are, you know, doing this thing, you're volunteering. And for this, or do you want to like is, and you know, not to say any of these things are bad. Volunteering is great, right? But it also needs to align with your life and your values and your value of I, I have to take care of myself so that I can be there for other people. And that is okay. And that's something that you can incorporate in. And you're not letting anybody down by doing that because you get to be, you get to step up and be a better person, a better mom, a better wife, whatever in the long term.
1: So Noel. Yeah. Can I just say, I am like, I am so floored and so <laughs> grateful because, yeah. well, like, A, I love Christian theology. And I just, <sighs> look, okay, this is what's so beautiful about this podcast. Like, we just took this concept of like enoughness, which is like around in our society and presented like two quite different but like really complementary ideas that are like mm. really deep. <laughs> and I just like I don't know I'm I'm like tearing up right now. I'm just oh. oh my goodness. I just yeah I I think it's just so I I really, really love what you said. And like we just gave you like so many different options that like you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, you can take different approaches and you can see where each other is coming from, you know, and you can lean into like what feels good to you. And that's what we try to provide you here with is like perspective. But um, yeah. yeah. Wow. Noelle's brilliant. This was uh, I'm so happy. All right, let's go. Did you know that
0: one of the top ways we're exposed to endocrine disruptors, plasticizers like BPA and heavy metals is through cosmetic products? You could be doing everything right, eating nutrient-dense foods, taking supplements and herbs, using glass storage containers. But if you're not paying attention to what you're putting on your skin, you could still be exposing yourself daily to things that disrupt your hormones and long-term health. Conventional skincare is often loaded with endocrine disruptors, but it also can be high in heavy metals. most cosmetic companies, including a lot of natural makeup companies, do not test for contaminants like BPA or heavy metals like aluminum and lead. I personally made the switch to Clean Beauty about five years ago after I read some alarming research that showed how harmful ingredients in women's skincare products can actually pass through the placenta to the baby, and after birth, it makes it into breast milk, which is just crazy. Thankfully, we have many options now, and by far the best effective skincare and makeup is Beauty Counter. Their products are free of known harmful ingredients. They contain active ingredients, which means they just, they work really well, sometimes even better than conventional products. And they specifically test both raw materials and end products with a finished product for contaminants like BPA and heavy metals, which is why I chose to make the switch to Beauty Counter. I absolutely love the vitamin C serum. I would bathe in it if I could. <laughs> and I personally use the Counter Time Tripeptide Serum every single night because it has totally reversed the fine lines I was getting around my smile. Shop Beauty Counter by going to beautycounter.com slash noeltar, then use the code clean for all all 20 to get 20% off your first order. You can also join my clean beauty list. I share promotions and discounts and I offer samples. You can do that at com slash beauty. Again, to shop, it's beautycounter.com slash noeltar. And to get 20% off your first order, use the code clean for all 20. Question number three. <laughs> Question Let's number go. Three from <laughs> Althea, she says, can you talk about working out while sore? If I, have, can. <laughs> if I have certain muscle groups that are still pretty sore from a previous workout, well, it's not on my recovery or progress. If I work out other muscle muscle groups still,
1: um, I have like almost nothing to say about this and I'm sorry, I could have done some research, but even if I spent like a whole day researching this, Noel would still know more than I do. So <laughs> uh, um, in my personal experience, like occasionally I work out still sore, but I usually don't like get super sore. So I'm just, I'm just going to stop talking and, um, let a, let a pro whisk you away. Take it away. I,
0: you know, what's so funny is I don't have anything really <laughs> profound to say
1: here. Oh, sorry, do you want me to make some no. stuff up?
0: No, I, here's this is just I like to include short answer questions occasionally. I think it's totally okay. Occasionally, to, like
1: once every <laughs> six months. I'm just kidding. Okay, go ahead.
0: You know, I, I have intentions. They just don't I don't quite fulfill them. Again, I'm not enough, guys. Um,
1: okay, so. <laughs> Noelle's, sorry, Noelle's sometimes like, here's this like really brief question about like body image and culture and like the nature of reality. I'm like, yeah, sure, we'll do it in like three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> okay,
0: sorry, go <laughs> Not on. so much. Um, I think it's okay to work out while still sore. What I would, uh, for me personally, and what I've always, my rule of thumb has been is do I have proper mobility? Is, can I move everything in the way that it should move my my movement isn't inhibited and also am i able to push it in the way without feeling like i am unable to perform whatever it is i need to perform if your performance is hindered and you can feel that happening so for example i let's say i did I cycled, I did some sprints, and then the next day I did a heavy leg workout or, you know, whatever. I did, I did a lower body workout and I didn't quite realize how, how sore it was going to make me. The next day I wake up and I'm like, ooh, I'm, I'm really sore. And I had a, let's say I had another cycle planned or I had some like boot camp thing where maybe I'm just doing body weight stuff. I'm probably going to skip because my lower body is really needed for biking, for, for body weight stuff. And that, surprise and soreness like it's it's going to inhibit me. I'm not going to be able to do as well. And for me, I I like to prioritize rest and what I think everybody should do is prioritize rest because you're if you have specific goals, let's say you're an Olympic athlete or you're training for the Tour de France, like yes, you you're going to have to learn how to work out really sore and and perform and proper like steroids and all that kind of stuff, doping that people do. It's all about improving recovery for the most part. In 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 most cases, it's all about improving recovery so that we have quicker turnaround. But really what you can do the best is rest and recover and then let your body make gains from that. And then, you know, pick up where you left off. You can do you can decide to do that exact same workout that you had planned that next day. So When you're creating some sort of like your week of workouts, I like to have two hard ones in there that I could potentially get pretty sore from and two fluffers, (laughs) ones that are not going to make me too sore and ones that I can just X, cross out if I don't need to. Like my fourth one is always, always a fluff, which this week I got rid of that fluff because I'm starting to come down with a little bit of a cold. We had a day off on Monday um, because of spring break and stuff, so I just have my three workouts. I had a little fluffer and then two strength workouts that were separated by a fluffer. So I think that you, this is not a technical term, I'm just saying fluffer. So I think that if you can structure your week that way, you'll be able to say, okay, here are my two hard workouts. I'm gonna separate them by two, you know, Mondays and Thursdays are my two hard workouts. Tuesdays and Fridays are my lighter workouts. And I can always cross out that lighter workout if I'm feeling a little too sore. When it comes to shifting body movements. So you only do lower body one day. Next day you're doing upper body strength. Totally fine. I find that I can do a bike ride and then I can move. And if I'm kind of tired or my legs are sore, I can absolutely do strict upper body stuff and be pretty fine. But also just understand that you may also feel a little fatigued and exhausted from your workout, depending on how, how hard it was. It's not just about soreness. Your recovery isn't just about making that soreness go away. It's about coming back stronger cardiovascularly, too, and, you know, improving your aerobic and anaerobic function. So your body does need that. And, you know, your heart rate, all of those things. So your body as a whole needs rest from that if you have a, you know, a hard workout. Okay. Question number four is from Renee. She says, has anyone tried red light therapy for chronic pelvic pain or chronic pain in general? Not looking for solutions to why I have pain That's a whole other conversation, just looking for experience um, in real life with red light therapy. Do you have anything to say
1: to this? No, it's another one of the I'm sorry, it's another one of those things where I know that you're far more. Well, I, I added this on because I've been
0: trying some new stuff. And I know chronic pain sufferers. It's like, it's a lot. And I've, I've, so I have, a I have a Juve red light therapy device. It's a desktop desktop device and for me red light therapy was really all about improving circadian rhythms (laughs) now that i've been doing all my anti-aging research y'all there is so much red light like red light therapy masks have you seen those masks that people put on almost like goalie masks
1: Mm, no it's just just red light
0: therapy yeah it's just red light therapy you put it on at night because red light therapy is amazing for skin. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, I love that I already have this. So I, you know, it's really for my face, for my skin, for my neck. Yeah, my neck. And for circadian rhythms um and all that kind of stuff. Stress reduction. It's like right on my face, on my head, all the things, right? And then when I had mastitis, oh my gosh, I have another th- thought too about lymphatic drainage. But what we ended up doing was getting a handheld red light therapy device too. So this is a portable one. You can take it with you wherever you want to go. And I have been doing some more specific targeted red light therapy on whatever I, wherever I'm in pain. And why I wanted to do that is because there are clinical studies that do suggest that red light therapy is, and near infrared light is, it improves Low lower back pain. It improves chronic pain. It it basically improves the amount of pain that people feel or perceive. Um, I don't think from what I could tell, researchers hadn't quite figured out why. Other than it improves mitochondrial function, it improves healing, it improves um, endogenous endorphins and cannabinoid or it like kind of brings our um, endorphins and our cannabinoid system online. Um, which if you want to learn more about the cannabinoid system, my whole episode on CBD is kind of gives alludes a little bit to that. But so red light therapy can actually interact with that as well. Um, And it can reduce inflammation. So I, I, I really wanted to try to target this a little bit more. I also wanted my husband to be able to target his thyroid since he has Hashimoto's. So what I have been doing is taking this handheld red light therapy device and just targeting one thing at night. Every night I target something, whatever is feeling sore. Now, recently it's been my knees because my ankles have always been very hypermobile. I did ballet for a very, very long time. Um, then I did long distance running and it just like killed my feet and my ankles. I have a lot of mobility issues, hypermobility. So I think my knees are now starting to feel that. And I was getting to the place where I like couldn't, like I would work out. My knees would get really sore or something would twinge or something would pull like, basically it's like a traditional runner's knee feeling. And I'd have to take off like a week or two. So now I've, you know, pulled back on the amount of time that I'm riding, but I have also been doing red light therapy on one knee or the other. It's usually my right knee. So I do that at night if nothing is really hurting. If I have a day where my back is really bothering me, I will lay on my side because we get in the bed and we watch a show at night. That's kind of how we wind down. We wear our our orange glasses and we do our red light therapy. So I will lay on my side and I've been targeting that area of my back where I always feel pain. Um, And even two days ago, I had done something lifting. I think a lot of you can relate to this. Like when you're doing heavier upper body lifting, a lot of times your neck and your shoulder, it's like, oh, my gosh. And so I actually did the red light therapy on that and the next day I woke up it was completely gone. And those kind of that kind of tightness and weird feeling in your neck or your shoulders, it takes a while usually to go away. I have seen incredible results from this stuff that I didn't quite even expect. My knees have done way better. I have not had to take off any time. And the only pain that I feel, I do wear a knee brace on one of my knees, just like a compression sleeve. But the only thing that I have felt is maybe a little tiny, tiny bit of that runner's knee, like going down the stairs. But if I use the red light at night, it's gone the next day. Now, it's not to say that it won't come back, but it's something that I've been able to do continually every night. And it—that's I've not felt hardly any pain in my knee other than, ooh, I feel a little unstable going down the stairs. It worked really well on my neck and the tightness there. And it worked really well on my lower back when I it it really makes me want to just I told Ken, I'm like, I wish I just had like a mattress cover that was red light and I could just like lay prone on it for my entire posterior chain. They also make knee like red light knee neoprene like sleeves that you can pull on over your knee again, pricey 400 bucks. But if you're like really struggling with chronic pain, like anything, you know, you'll be you're willing to do anything. The last thing I will say that I think is really profound is I have been getting, sorry, this seems so all about me, but I do think that this will help people. I have been getting, ever since I got mastitis so many times in a row, whenever I get sick, I will actually have a lymph node in my underarm swell up anytime that I get sick or I don't even know. Maybe maybe there's like my body's fighting some sort of infection and so one of my lymph nodes in my The same one that used to swell up every time I would get mastitis swells up occasionally when I get sick or whatever. And it's really tender. It's not red or hot or anything. It just gets tender. And I targeted red light therapy on it. I put my arm in the sky and put the red light therapy device on it at night. And then in the morning, I did it again. And it was almost completely gone by that night, which it usually takes me like four days for like an inflamed lymph node to go down when I am having like an infection or something. So I am becoming, even though I've been a red light therapy fan for a really long time, and I know, Steph, you are too, I'm finding (laughs) I'm like more and more and more impressed by it. Mm. So if you are if you're struggling with chronic pain, I absolutely recommend it. I wish it was easier to do some sort of back treatment because you either have to sit upright in front of a large panel, which those large panels are expensive, so I have the Juve Go, the handheld device, the 2.0. I like the newer. For some reason, I feel like the newer devices are a little bit more effective. So that we did not get the dock with it. I think it was like, and I bought it during a sale. Um, you can get 50 bucks off with um, our link. It's juve.com slash wellfed, I think. I had it like, I, I've just been, I just let my husband use it for a while. But now I'm like, I'm going to really start playing around with it. I think it was like 350 bucks. And I, I, I do think it's been incredibly beneficial. You can travel with it. So I may take it with me. There's a big event coming up. I've got to stay at a hotel a few nights. I think I might take it with me just to kind of have that, um, regularity with it. But I, I think it's definitely worth it. There are a lot, I know blue blocks makes red light therapy as well. Um, and there are a lot of red light therapy devices out there. Like I said, for skin, your face, all that kind of stuff. So if you get this, I just I like the idea of a handheld device because you can put it on your face if you want to. But you can also tuck it in your back pocket for your for your back or put it you know on top of your knee if you're laying in bed. And, and that really works. So do you still have your device?
1: Like I here. do. Okay. Um, I actually talking about this um, is making me eager to go pick it up because it's in Michigan. So, oh, OK, got it. Yeah.
0: Get that thing very beneficial i think everybody should incorporate it in some way so and we have a whole episode on red light therapy and you can listen to that it's if you go to the coconut kettlebells and in the search bar just search red light therapy that episode number should come up then you'll be able to go find it but i think it's definitely Mm. worth a try and if You try it, Renee, and it really helps. Please let me know because I would love to hear more. I'm really interested in this chronic pain side of things. So because I'm always thinking about that, I'm always thinking about how am I going to manage this long term? Is this going to get worse? Like, what can I do? You know, I want to be strong. I want to keep doing PT. But is that is that always going to work? I'm terrified (laughs) of it not, you know, Mm, getting to a place. where I can't manage it. So,
1: yeah. And I do want to like chime in and say you know, it, it can seem like a few minutes a day is, you know, like, what is that? But at the same time, like, it's, it's a lot, you know, like it's, it's a lot, like a little bit consistently and so many things for your health and fitness Mm. is like the key, you know, like a little bit and consistently just like be consistent as much as you can. Yes. With small changes, with incremental changes, with things that are like conducive to your flourishing, you know, five minutes of meditating, um, you know, five minutes of pushups in the morning, like five minutes of red light therapy. And I'm not saying you have to do all of these things like every day. But my point is like um, a part of my struggle with doing things like red light therapy. I mean, my primary struggle is my life is footloose and fancy free. So it's really hard to cart a thing around. But also um, like another part of it is. It's it's really hard to like look at a light device and be like, you know, you don't see concrete changes necessarily like immediately, right? And mm. and it's and it's a light and, and like, should you actually think that this thing is going to work? But there's a ton of research on it, and uh, like a little bit every day can. You know, that's that's the thing. Isn't so. it
0: true of everything, though, you know, and it, it's so yeah, as, habits. Cli- as cliche as it is a body in motion stays in motion when you start doing something and you adapt to that change and that becomes a part of your routine. It's much easier to keep it in routine versus getting yeah. it started. And I think that that's something we have to remind ourselves of with exercise, with shifts in nutrition, with red light therapy, with whatever, you know, washing our face with a silicone face brush like it's going to be different and hard to get it into the swing of it. But then once you're in the swing of it, it's much easier to maintain. Mm-hmm. And that's when you actually start to see the benefits. I think a lot of people want to do something a few times and they're like, oh, well, it's not working. And so you you have to be consistent. And that's where the real change comes from. But also understanding you don't have to be perfect. A lot of people then think, oh, I've got to do this thing every single day or it's not going to work. And that's not true either. So it's a, it's a balance between being consistent, but also not derailing yourself or not getting derailed when life happens. Life happens all the time. And so we just have to be able to say, okay got to get back into it. It's not as easy to get into motion. But once I'm in motion, it's it's much easier to float there and you feel the benefit and you feel the, the differences and you feel better. So, yes. OK, Ooh. lots of rambles. That's it for um, our podcast. I hope that was somewhat helpful in there. Uh, For more from me, coconutsandkettleballs.com, more from Stephanie, healthtoempower.com, also stephanie.rupper on Instagram. We love you guys. We will talk to you next week.